Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 9th. In today's news, President Trump's lawyers block a former White House aide from answering more than 200 questions about possible obstruction of justice. The UN's High Commissioner for Human Rights says she's appalled by the conditions that migrants face in U.S. detention centers. And an admissions officer says that Trump isn't telling the truth about how he got into Wharton. But first, the big idea. The new sex trafficking charges filed against Jeffrey Epstein and unsealed in court yesterday allege that the billionaire abused dozens of young girls at his Manhattan and Florida homes. Prosecutors say Epstein created a network of girls who would be available for abuse on demand. Investigators seized from a safe in his Manhattan mansion what they describe as hundreds and perhaps thousands of photos showing nude or partially nude female subjects. Many of these images are believed to be of underage girls. Bill Clinton, who once globetrotted with Epstein, who gave money to his foundation and hung out with the president, sought to downplay his relationship. He issued a statement saying he, quote, knows nothing about the terrible crimes Epstein has been accused of. A spokesman says the former president took four trips on Epstein's plane in 2002 and 2003. He said Clinton had one brief meeting with Epstein in his Harlem office in 2002 and made a brief visit to Epstein's apartment, but that a staff member and a Secret Service detail was there. The Clinton people say that the two men haven't spoken in well over a decade. Meanwhile, an attorney for the Trump organization also tried to claim that the current president had, quote, no relationship with Epstein. But Trump called Epstein a, quote, terrific guy who, quote, enjoys his social life during a 2002 interview. And Epstein visited Trump's Mar-a-Lago club in Palm Beach and posed for photos there with Trump in 1997 and 2000. Epstein's voluminous personal address book, leaked by an Epstein employee in 2009, contained 14 different phone numbers for Trump, his wife, and members of his staff. The relationship, whatever it was, appears to have cooled by 2007. In related news, the Epstein indictment has reignited questions about the way Alexander Acosta, now Trump's labor secretary, handled the earlier case against Epstein that resulted in a remarkably lenient sentence. As U.S. attorney in Florida in 2007, Acosta negotiated a plea deal that led to two felony solicitation charges and 13 months in county jail for Epstein, with the financier allowed to work from his office six days a week. Epstein had been facing the possibility of life in prison back then. His alleged victims were not even told about the deal. Officials at the Trump White House, which has refused to make any public on-the-record statement about the indictment, are nervous that Democrats will encourage women allegedly abused by Epstein to testify publicly before Congress, which would draw attention to Acosta's work on the plea deal. Trump has no immediate plans to force out or fire Acosta, two different White House officials say. And a senior White House official says the administration would like to learn the contents of an ongoing Justice Department inquiry into Acosta and whether there was prosecutorial misconduct before making any final decision. But current and former Trump administration officials acknowledge privately that there was no substantial vetting done on Acosta until after Trump announced that he was nominating him. He was Trump's second pick for the Labor Department after his first pick, Andy Puzder, was forced to withdraw because of allegations that he physically assaulted his ex-wife, something he denied, and employed undocumented immigrants, something he admitted. 
But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who called on Acosta to resign last night, noted that the lenient plea deal that he had negotiated with Epstein was well known when Trump appointed him. In fact, there were several stories in The Washington Post alone about it. Despite the scrutiny of the plea deal and calls from several Democrats for him to resign, Acosta has not yet been summoned to testify before Congress specifically on this matter. The House Judiciary and Oversight Committees have seemed the most likely venues for any hearing, but none has been scheduled. Congressional Democrats say privately that the committees are consumed by the Russia investigation. Now, Acosta, through a spokesman, declined to comment yesterday, but he wrote a 2011 letter defending himself. In it, he said he settled after facing, quote, a year-long assault on the prosecution and the prosecutors by an army of legal superstars. He wrote that defense lawyers investigated individual prosecutors and their families on his team looking for dirt and trying to disqualify them. This time, one of the federal prosecutors who has been assigned to the team that's pursuing Epstein in the Southern District of New York Public Corruption Unit is Maureen Comey. She is the daughter of former FBI director Jim Comey. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump's lawyers at the White House blocked Annie Donaldson, the former chief of staff to ex-White House counsel Don McGahn and a key witness to the Russia investigation, from answering 212 different questions related to possible obstruction of justice by this president. Donaldson affirmed the accuracy of colorful and striking notes that she made while working in the White House, notes that former special counsel Bob Mueller cited 65 times in his report, which described 10 episodes of potential obstruction. But Trump administration lawyers barred Donaldson from elaborating on her thinking at the time she captured several exchanges between Trump and McGahn, including one in which she scribbled concern that Trump firing Comey as FBI director would trigger the end of his presidency. She confirmed to House investigators that after Trump fired Comey, she wrote in her notes, quote, is this the beginning of the end? But asked to further explain why she believed Trump's decision was so problematic, Donaldson said the White House had directed her not to answer. Separately, congressional Democrats are issuing dozens of subpoenas today, seeking information on Trump's finances as part of the discovery process in their lawsuit alleging that the president's businesses violate the Constitution's emoluments clause. Meanwhile, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, a Democrat, last night signed legislation that would allow Congress to review Trump's state tax returns. But Richie Neal, the Democratic chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, has said he's not interested in pursuing the state returns, saying he's focused on obtaining documents held by the Internal Revenue Service at the federal level. Still, the state returns, if they're obtained, could provide an unprecedented look into Trump's New York business dealings, his income, and a range of other personal financial information. And Felix Sater, the president's former business associate who was the chief negotiator for that failed Trump Tower Moscow project, is scheduled to finally testify today before the House Intelligence Committee. The closed-door interview will cap a protracted back-and-forth between Sater and the panel, led by Adam Schiff, which has rescheduled his appearance several times now since he was first slated to appear back in March. Sater failed to appear for a voluntary appearance last month because he claimed he was sick and slept through his alarm clock. Number two, the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, says she is, quote, absolutely appalled by the conditions that migrants face in U.S. detention centers at the border. Any deprivation of liberty of adult migrants and refugees should be a measure of last resort, she said yesterday, 
adding that where detention is necessary, it should be for the shortest period and under conditions that satisfy international human rights standards. She says the United States is not doing so. The high commissioner singled out the treatment of children in custody, saying she was deeply shocked that children are forced to sleep on the floor in overcrowded facilities without access to adequate health care or food and with poor sanitation conditions. She said immigration detention, which she noted is never in the best interest of a child, can have a significant effect on a child's mental health and long-term development. A little further south in Mexico, a 10-year-old Guatemalan boy was found yesterday hugging his father's lifeless body. They were detained south of the border on their way to the United States in search of a better life. The boy, his father, a cousin, and an uncle were kidnapped by a gang on their way to America. Number three, Trump continues to often refer to his degree from Wharton as, quote, super genius stuff. But an admissions officer recalls it differently. James Nolan was working in the University of Pennsylvania's admissions office in 1966 when he got a phone call from one of his friends, Fred Trump Jr. It was a plea to help Fred's younger brother, Donald, get into Penn's Wharton School. Soon enough, Donald Trump arrived at Penn for an interview, accompanied by his father, Fred Trump Sr., who sought to ingratiate himself, Nolan remembers. Nolan, who said he was the only admissions official to talk to Donald Trump, was required to give him a rating, and he recalled that he gave him one decent enough to support his candidacy. For decades, Trump has cited his admission and attendance at what was then called the Wharton School of Finance as evidence of his great intellect. He has said pretty recently that he went to, quote, the hardest school to get into in the entire world. But it turns out, at the time, according to Nolan, more than half of applicants to Penn were accepted. Today, by comparison, the admissions rate for the incoming class at Penn is 7%. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 9th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.